Hello and welcome to the Freemanfield Podcast, the podcast where three friends who had their dreams being professional footballers dashed away as children when we all discovered who'd have their say on the Premier League. I am one of your hosts, Cahill, joined, of course, by the ever-present coach, Koja. How are you doing, sir? I'm good, and I'm happy that you said your name first as well this time. This is it's second week one at running, so I got, I got, I got, I got. Uh, I need to keep it going. I need to keep it keep going. going. I got practice last week. This is this there is the full go. one, and we've go. got we got a stacked podcast. It's stacked with tons of guests, and we got to talk about a whole bunch of teams. And well, Arsenal's one of those teams. And Francis joins us. How are you doing, sir? I'm all good. Thanks for the invite. Uh, seems like it's going to be good. So yeah, appreciate the invite. Adrian joins us. How's it going, lads? Happy to be here. Tyrone joins us for the second time. How are you doing, man? Yeah, I'm blessed, man. Thank you for having me every single time. Of course, Kojo, do a lot of stuff with you on the Manchester United side. But, Kay, it was great to see you on the show as well. Obviously, your platform. Smash the like and subscribe button, people. And obviously, you can find myself, MC underscore underscore, and never a foul for all our stuff as well, which TJ's part of on my right. <laughs> It looked like you're left, but you introduced Yeah, to be fair, I tried mobbling that one through and I thought no one's clocked yet. <laughs> poor start, poor start. DJ joins us for the first time. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me on, you guys. Real, pre- real pleasure. And as Tyrone said, yeah, I am one of the hosts on uh, the Blue Wave, also part of Never a Foul. Boy, boy, boy. It's a stack podcast. Hello to all the people joining yes. us. But... If there is a game to start off this podcast, it has to be easily the game of match day three. Arsenal, five, no, not Arsenal five, sorry. Manchester City five. <laughs> Arsenal, nil. Francis, you are a brother in, in, in some ways because, boy, a brother in misery, it seems, because that, that, that game was just absolutely dreadful to watch yeah. um, as an Arsenal fan. Yeah, I, I, I deliberately came away from all screens and all football at the weekend. I took my wife and my kids and I went out of the way because I knew what was coming. Mm. And then I got back in the car. As soon as I put the radio on, 12 minutes in, mm. 2-0 down, I'm thinking, Ross, this, you know what I mean? That I, I don't know what's going on here. And I said to the wife, listen, it's going to be 5 and 6. So I wasn't surprised. No backbone. They're just a replication of the manager, mate. Simple as mm. that. Weak, weak-minded, weak team. Simple. Very apt description. Let's get into it. It goes from Ikai Gundu and Ferran Torres. Cedric Suarez. Kalasanak got booked. Kalasanak, I can't believe I said that name. Granite Xhaka. Of course, <laughs> Captain Fantastic with the red card. Gabriel Jesus, Rodri and Ferran Torres with the goals. Boy, oh boy. Where do we start? Shall we, shall we start with the lineup, Francis? I mean, you said they lacked backbone, but Pablo Mari, and it stems from the manager, Pablo Mari. Bought this season for eleven million pounds sterling. I can't understand why. I, I don't know if you can, but he gets dropped. And in his in his stead, <laughs> Saeed Kalasanak gets brought it back in to the squad. Um, from my understanding, what I saw was we were planning to release him or to at least agree a mutual termination for his contract. Like a few days later, he's, he's in the squad against Manchester City. What? What was what was Arteta thinking, or was he thinking? Listen, I think maybe he took Mari out because obviously he got buoyed up year seven against year eleven uh, Lukaku. <laughs> so maybe he thought he would that take the pressure away from him and leaving out. But to put um, Kalasanac in, I just can't get my head around it. He was he's not wanted. He wants to get out. His heart's not going to be in it. He's not going to give the manager an extra yard. 
he he don't want to go in for challenges because he's thinking I'm not going to get a, a transfer deadline day move. But why would you play someone in that mindset? You're just asking for trouble. You're asking for trouble. But the way Arteta is moving, I, I told you, he's he, he's got that much of an ego. He's got that much of a uh, you know of uh, a laser sharp mind of how he wants to play, not realizing that the players that he has are not good enough for this philosophy. But he's mm. got such an ego problem that. He would rather see basically Arsenal burn and keep losing for him to turn around and try and prove a point. Mm. That that's his problem, um, and that's his problem because this is his first job, so he doesn't have the experience of dealing with a team and mindsets at this level. And he thinks it's like an experiment for him. You know what I mean? It's like an experiment. It doesn't make sense for him to do what he needs to do. So, he, listen. All the Arsenal fans, as we know, big up to Deluded who's come in, Curtis Shaw, all my boys and that. They're like, oh, listen, he's gone. He's gone. It's just a matter of you've got to deal with it. It's like when you get to, towards the end of that relationship with the girl you don't want to be with, but you're waiting for the <laughs> right day for to tell her that you're gone. That's what's going to happen to him. So it's just a matter of waiting a few more weeks, unless he just spins it around and does something miraculously, but it's not going to happen. These players don't want to play for this guy. It's, it's simple. I mean, going off off that comment though, they, they don't want to play for him. It's when it when it was Unai Emery, it seemed like there was a very a clear disconnect between the players and Unai Emery. Mm. I mean, there was rumors that players were 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 chanting or creating chants um, to, that were disparaging to, towards him, uh, saying "Good evening" when he when he walked past the uh, when he walked past them. I think uh, I think it was Gunduzi that started the "Good evening" chants in in the Arsenal dressing room. Yeah. But with Arteta, it, I mean, there's 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 rumors that. He's very split. There are people that respect him or fear him. And there are those that don't understand why he walks around with such an ego. Yeah. You said it's a few weeks, but if it, if it, it's very, it seems very much likely that the, the board are, are backing him. They spent 129 million. I don't see them sacking him in a few weeks. So how long realistically do you expect him to stay here? I mean, they, they've got a back him at the moment. They've just given him you know, a credit card to go and blast out. So they have to back him because they're going to make themselves look stupid. But it, only a matter of time before, you know, they really sit down and wake up. I mean, if nothing happens against Norwich and nothing happens against Burnley, then, you know, every man in the world is going to know that they need to sack him. The problem is if they sack him, can they afford to bring someone else in? So you, you, you've got that big issue. But you're right about the, the dressing room being divided. You can see by the players that he's trying to get out. They're the players who he can't really compete with. So mm. your, your, your David Luiz's, even the source of a Bamiang fell out with him, uh, Gwenduzi, Saliba, all these players with a little bit about them and a little bit of a personality, he don't want them around because that undermines what he's trying to do. So Saka, ESR and the little picnic them, they'll like him. They'll fear him <laughs> yeah. because he's giving them the opportunity. But any player with a personality or a little bit of oomph about him, they're not going to respect this guy. And that's why he needs to get them out. But he's getting them out. He's getting rid of all the decent players. Right and, and and trying to build again, it's not Leicester, and that, that's what Leicester did, and now where they are, that's what Villa are doing now. Mm. So he's getting it the wrong way around, but it is what it is. Rock bottom, <laughs> only way is up. <laughs> if, 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 if we if we win, that's that's uh, that's, that's yeah. a big question. But let's let's uh, talk about the formation. Uh, five at the back, and it wasn't a five at the back with two wing backs up, bomb forward, bomb forward. He played five defenders. And he got smoked 5-0. Kieran Tierney, Kolasinac, Rob Holding, Chambers and Cedric Suarez. Now, if there's a goal that sums up Arsenal's poor, poor defending, I think it's the third one. 
when that when Edison just completely he's got all the time in the world to play a perfect pass and he plays it straight through the middle. Yeah. I think it was I think it was the Jesus goal. I think yeah, it was the yeah, Jesus it was, goal. Yeah, yeah, it was yeah. it was the Jesus goal. He plays it straight through the middle, takes out about five Arsenal players, including our midfield. And Jesus has like two touches in the six yard area, not the box, the six yard area. I mean, they play a false nine because they have they have no striker or the striker that they have is not good enough. And Jesus yeah. is scoring against us. Uh, yeah. Kojo, I'm getting mad. Take over, please. <laughs> uh, if, you play, if, you play, if you play five at the back and the goals you concede, that's why I'm saying that no one wants to do the extra yard for him or no one, no one believes in what he's asking them to do. From experience, if a manager was asking me to do something and I wasn't feeling the manager, I would half do the job. And mm. you could see by the goals that we conceded, the players were half doing the job. They don't make it look obvious, but they're half doing the job. Um, and that's a massive sign for me. They don't believe in what he's asking them to do. And, and, and then that, that's the beginning of the downfall. That's it. And this was probably months ago. They tried to refresh it, bring certain players in. It's not going to work. The guy, the guy, I don't know what he's going to do. He's got you know 48 hours to try and sign some decent players. It's not going to happen because mm. I'm not signing for anyone who's bottom of the Premier League. So I don't know mm. if any decent players are going to do that. Um, but for me, it's quite obvious that this team don't, do not agree with his philosophy and don't respect I, what he's asking them to do. At least I think, I think it was it epitomised, though, by the formation. Like Cahill said there, when you go five at the back, you summed it up, Cahill. When you said five at the back, not three at the back with two bombing on wing-backs. Kieran five. Turney wants to get forward. It's actually five defenders. And I think you're already going to, to Man City to say, right, we're going to allow you to have the ball. Man City excel in having the ball. I think a look at the possession after the game. 80%, I think the highest recorded yeah. since Ooh. 2003 up to stats began. Now, that says it all. Of course, okay, I understand Arsenal had 10 men up to a point. However, Arsenal weren't really in the game up until that point. They had a couple sniffs of counter-attacks, right? And I felt that you got the final ball wrong. There was a couple moments where I was like, do you know what, Arsenal... Like, we know City are prone to uh, counter-attacks, but you just didn't pick the right pass. And I thought, do you know what, if you don't pick the right pass in this moment, you're not going to get many other moments in the game because City will switch on and be like, right, we've given them two. Two is enough. And I felt like with the back five, you look at it, Kolasinac came in. You beat West Brom in a week and forget the banter aside, yeah, all celebrating and doing all your little bowing and stuff like that. You won the game. <laughs> you get what I'm saying? Pepe doing all that. But I thought, okay, it's given them a bit of confidence and Arsenal might be the side that could give City a bit of trouble. He went to back five and I saw Kolasinac in there holding and Chambers. And then you get Cedric Sarai as well. He had a poor game, I think, on stats-wise as well. I'm not saying he's poor overall, but that game he was poor. You got I mean, I, I say he is poor overall, but continue. He is poor overall. There you go. <laughs> How many of them defenders get into at least the top eight of the Premier League? Probably Kieran Turney, if that. Actually, no, he would. Yeah, Kieran Turney. Other than that, poor Saka, Odegaard, Xhaka and Smith-Rowe. Now, for me, you're playing a 5-4-1, but I don't even class Odegaard as a natural centre midfielder. So it was like a 5-4-1 where he just put a jigsaw together and there's a couple pieces Mm -hmm. out of place because Odegaard is not a proper centre midfielder. You've got Smith-Rowe kind of playing on the left and you've got Saka on the right who's still finding his way into this season. So for me, I just thought it was a, excuse my French, shit show from the get-go. I just felt it was like, how many are City going to score? Because like I said, other than a couple of counter-attacks, you just weren't really in the game. And you talked about Gabriel Jesus there. He played on the right because he kept his place from last uh, the last game when they played really well against Norwich. They had Ferran Torres, who people have got question marks over. He's not a proper, proper out-and-out centre-forward. Pep probably thinks he's the most centre-forward in their squad currently. 
but let's be honest, you guys made him look very good. Like, oh, we can make anyone look, look good yeah. at the minute. Yeah, they make exactly. You're making anyone look good. And I think, like, if anything, that's just given City's players, like Ferran Torres, the massive confidence boost they need. When really, I think if you had some rock-solid centre-backs in there, you could have given a bit of a tough time. It was just like, it wasn't Arsenal for me. And if that's going to epitomise how you're going to go this season, like FFTV said, um, Francis, sorry, You've got Burnley and Norwich in your next two games. After that, you play Wimbledon. Who, let's forget that. You should win that. But after that, you've got Spurs. So this is three massive games now. If you don't get results against Burnley and Norwich, you've got a club decision to make. Or you let it slide into the North London derby. And let's be honest, who knows? If Kane's staying, his, his game's going to be switched on for that. He's going to get more fitness now with England. And then you've got Son there and Nuno. You know what he's like. They counter-attack. But however, they're, they're solid at the back at the moment. Romero has not even come in yet. So question mark for Arsenal man I think the, I think the setup was wrong from the get go especially yeah. with Kalasnach coming I feel, in man. I feel like he threw the game a little bit if I'm being honest yeah mm -hmm. you cannot have a back line like that and then put Jaka and other guard in the middle together the center with, yeah it's just the midfield's really destroyed no matter yeah. who you play who you play in there you've really killed it at that point you know and you've got Saka and um Smith Rowe on the wings and Aubameyang on his lonesome all the way up top it's not going to work you got three people in that midfield that naturally go forward. They don't have any sort of defensive awareness. So they leave Xhaka by himself. That's why with that pass from, um, from Edison, bear in mind, most of the time when he had the ball, he was literally walking through the middle of the pitch. Just looking, he had too much time, there was no press, because if those guys do press, they know what happens behind them. But regardless of whether they pressed or not, the one pass destroyed our whole midfield, as you said earlier. And the third goal, the reason why that made me angry is because... Yes, all right, he's gone past midfield, but as a defender, Callum Chambers, I don't rate him whatsoever. But when someone's coming towards you and you're in your box, at some point you have to engage. He consistently backed off, backed off. Jack Grish is walking into your box. He's literally walking into your box. And that's why um, I have think he had like three or four players just on rush onto the ball. Moments of panic. Mm. One person that's engaging him, whether you're good or not, good enough or not to challenge him, you have to challenge him. You he got done for the Gundogan header as well. Exactly. Gundogan, I, mean, I don't even talk about height too tough, but really and truly, I mean, it, it shouldn't be any level of competition. I'm sorry. Mm. And he's absolutely done him. Not only has he not done him, he's left him by himself as well. So you've, he's unmarked and you're ball watching. and you It's just a whole catastrophe. Shocking. But he's facing I the wrong way. He's facing the wrong direction. Three no, games in a row against where Gundogan where? is. He's facing the ball. Mm. It, it, it's like under nines like uh, my son he's four and a half I tell him side on son side mm -hmm. on you, you can't mm -hmm. you know what I mean it's very simple but listen teams can make it hard for City yes I know it's City if you really get it right you can make it hard for City to break you down because they don't have that dynamic centre forward down the middle you can make them go wide make them deliver and then you're in you're in position where it's very hard to break down it's like a training session we used to do of um, attack against defense very hard to break them down if you're not doing it in the right manner and you're not putting your pride on defending goals as a defender as mad as it may sound you you shouldn't enjoy the game but you should enjoy defending mm. you should enjoy man not conceding against man city you should be putting someone in the stand you should be making it hard for them. But that's why they're weak, because they've got a weak mentality. There's no winners. There's no, no winners in the squad. No. Go through that team. Who's a winner? So people said Kieran Turney because he rolled his sleeves up in the snow. Come on, man. Don't be stupid. <laughs> yeah, don't right. I love that. I love that. That don't make that. you a winner. That don't make you a winner. The man born I love it. Do you know what I mean? But people and get blinded by what's going on. He's built a candy floss. 
And I was like, oh, it, it, it doesn't make sense. But the whole club's in the shambles. I'm not surprised, by the way, they are bottom of the league. I said it in the first three games, they would lose the first three games and they've done exactly that. I said they'll finish 10th if they're lucky. So we'll see what happens. But it's just shambles. Even myself, even Jerry's saying he's still talking Arsenal. Even myself wants to move on because it's painful. Like, it's painful. <laughs> <laughs> painful. I mean, to be honest, it's been a very sensible, considering Arsenal got spanked 5-0, it's been a very sensible, very uh, kind... Uh, it's We're not surprised anymore, Cahill. Um, yeah, I, it might is, just do that. Yeah. But if anybody does want to banter us, Adrian, TJ, if you want to banter us, here, here, just take it. Take it from here, man. It's, yeah, it's, just take it now. It's, 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 free, it's, free, it's free real estate, man. Well, once we get into the once we get into the Chelsea game, I'm I'm gonna draw some kind of some uh, some clear differences in mentalities between Chelsea and Arsenal because oh. I feel there are two similar games between the two between the two in terms of the red card the whole second half. We'll get to that, I'm sure. Yeah, cool. Adrian, I feel I feel like Arsenal's just kicking a dog while it's down. Like genuinely, <laughs> none of us are surprised. Nobody was shocked yeah. in that spineless, lifeless performance. It's just typical of Arsenal now, unfortunately. And, you know, I was just going to add something as well, because we were talking about the mentality and how they weren't set up properly to play. But once again, it's pretty obvious, but I would it's, it's clear that it's from Arteta. It starts from Arteta. Mm. Um, he walks into that game. And again, like you were saying, with Man City, you can, you can frustrate them and you can get points off of them. But you need to go in the right mentality. The way he goes in with a back five and a shit back five at that at that. Um, it it just gives that mentality to the players that yeah we're losing, um, do your best, but we're not going to get anything out of this. Uh, go have fun out there. Like you need to go in with the right mentality, and it starts with Arteta, and he doesn't seem to get it right at the moment. Hmm. I mean, we'll keep we'll keep that conversation, and then we'll, we will move on eventually. But Arteta, we need to we do need to talk about him at at, at length here. Um, I did mention that he dropped Pablo Mari, his signing for Cyclas, and that, that was a horrible decision. Granite Xhaka was given vice captain back after be after telling the fans to F off vice captain again. Um, he seems to ostracize a whole bunch of players. Ainsley Maitland-Niles is yet another one. Uh, it's Clay. I think it was on Instagram. He just he said he wants to go where, where he's loved and that considering he's an Ar Arsenal boy through and through, that is a, that is a right shame. Um, Saliba, he doesn't like him so he shipped him off again. Uh, Gunduzi doesn't like him. He shipped him off again. Uh, Joe Willock doesn't like him. Shipped him off again. Why is he? Well, why is he doing this? I don't. That, that's the simple question. It's it's desperation from me now. These are clearly players players that are are better than what we have at, at the at the club. You can't tell me William Saliba isn't as good as a defender as Rob Holding, as Callum Chambers, as Saeed Kalasenac. You didn't play left back or left uh, uh, or left um, wing back. He played left centre back. He, now, if you're playing Saeed Kalasenac at left centre back, and you're telling me William Saliba is not good enough. You have no, you have no footballing brain. You have no eyes. It's, it, it must seem you, you just don't have a good eye for talent. I don't know if he's trying to do the thing where he's trying to be so authoritative with his players. Because uh, you know, there's players, there's managers that have like a certain level in the game when they've reached such a pinnacle, and they're like, okay, you know what? If I make a decision, the rest of the team are not going to question it. I feel like a lot of the Arsenal players look at the players that he's selling and he's like, they're like, okay, I'm not sure this is the right idea. Saliba, he's, he's hugely rated in the Arsenal fans. I'm pretty sure he's rated quite highly amongst the Arsenal players. So they're looking at that. You mentioned Kolasinac earlier, who was supposed to be out of the door and he's still playing in one of the biggest games of the season already. And 
it's all these kind of things. I feel like he's trying to be like a, a strong figure where it's like, it's my way or the highway. It's my way where you're going to do things like this. And when I saw a player, you're going to understand it. You've got to understand players will always question things when it happens. Unless they're very, very sure and they agree with your methods, they're not going to be happy with it. And even the way they, they um, came into the game, that's why I feel like he's thrown it because his signings don't make sense. I mean, Arsenal have been poor in terms of aerial battles in the, in the year for a while. Ben White, last season in comparison to the all Arsenal other Arsenal defenders, he's got the worst um, aerial wins percentage-wise. So that's already a fail. On top of that, Saliba was outworking all your defenders. Yes, and might be a lower league, but regardless, he was doing better than all your defenders previously. So I, I don't know if he's trying to be that kind of authoritative figure where he just says, like I said, my way or the highway, but he's killing himself. He's killing himself because he's limiting the kind of quality that he can have in the team. He's letting good players go. Willock didn't really get a chance at Arsenal, played in the Premier League team at Newcastle, a lower quality team, and was providing goals from midfield, helping them stay in the division. Eight. So I feel like he, I feel like he deserved a, a shot. He broke a record, didn't he? Or he yeah. matched the record as well. So I don't know. I feel like he's just he's killing himself. He threw that game away. And it wouldn't surprise me if he goes to other sort of games where they are essentially the underdogs and you see something similar like that. They can't keep running because if it keeps going like that, Arsenal are not going to be out of the bottom five by December. Did you know what as well? I think you've touched that perfectly because at Man City, when we switched back the role he had at Man City, he was obviously assistant to Pep. And his main role there, because I've got a lot of Man City fans, and they say he was the player-manager link. Like Pep, as much as he's the coach, he's not the player that have that one-to-one sort of man-management discussion with players. Okay, you've got to work on this individually. And he'll take time to sit with individuals. Now he's a manager at Arsenal. He doesn't have that power to do that because he's got others that will now do it for him. So it's like he's gone into the pep role and someone else is now filling the Arteta role he was doing at City. And I feel like now he's in that managerial role at Arsenal. We look at Guendouzi, Saliba, and who was the other one we said? Maitland-Niles, for example. All three of them in that 5-4-1 probably should have started. In If you look at the, like, Guendouzi, he's better than Odegaard in a 5-4-1 midfield because he's got a bit of that tenacity, that grit. He'll be like, do you know what I mean? He'll be a bit more hard-bodied in there, which you need a way to see. You've got Maitland-Niles, who I feel like is better than the wing-backs in that back four. He could have played on the right-hand side, let's be honest. And then, um, who was the other? It was Maitland-Niles, and we said Guendouzi, and Saliba. There you go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Saliba could have started at centre-back, of course. Highly rated in France. He's one of them players that I feel like he's got that... You know, he's got that pace to suit the Premier League. And I think if you give him a run of games, you'll be like, oh my God, why has he not been playing? Rather than, oh my God, get him out of the side. I know why he's not playing. So for me, I think them three players could have started at City. And I think what the the, the difference in demographic now is that Arteta is not able to have that sort of player relationship. He's now calling the shots. And I think more players now are challenging what his decisions are. And I don't think he can handle the challenge from other players because under Pep, he was the one managing that relationship. Whereas if there was a problem, Pep would go, Arteta, go and sort this out or go and do that. So he was always the peacemaker. He can't be the peacemaker no more. If someone don't like your decision, you've got to handle it coming back your way. And I don't think he can actually do that. Yeah, that's bang on. I think that's exactly. And that's why the players are not reacting the way that he wants to react because he doesn't know how to do that communication. He can't be nicey-nicey and be the nice guy, the, you know, the good cop, bad cop. He can't be that because he's mm. the one making the big decision. So these players, you can clearly see, and we've said it for months, me and Curtis have said it for months, these players do not believe in what he is asking them to do. And that's that's it. 
Like, because those players are yep. good enough to be winning games. I'm not saying that beat Chelsea because Chelsea and Man City are a different animal at the minute. But the fight, even the fight, like what you're saying, um, TJ was saying, we'll go on, go, we'll go on to it. You don't have to be a good footballer to be disciplined in that fight. You, you've seen that when um, lower league teams play higher league teams in the FA Cup. You don't need to be a great player. You just need discipline and believe in what the manager is asking you to do. And, 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 and like you say, it's just the communication and the respect of the communication and the terminology between them doesn't work. And that's why he's got to go. You know what I mean? He has to go just because of that alone because it's never going to work. Never mm. going to work. Imagine us six working, right? So us six are in a team and then we've got a manager who's not on this podcast right now and we're all in the same team and we don't like this manager. We're going to wake up and go into our day jobs every day. As much as we don't like being bitches, we're going to probably talk to each other. So I don't like this. Or I don't like this. That's yeah. what they're doing. And what people have got to understand is despite their 120 grand or 250 grand a week, they're human beings. Who does not want to wake up and go to a job they hate? We don't because at the end of the day, you're there more than 50% of your lives, more than you see your wives, your family and your friends. And that's these footballers. If they're waking up and saying, do you know what? I hate going to play football for this manager. And that's six of us in the team. There's going to be a divide and that's what Arteta can't get a hold of and I'll be honest I think it's too late I think it's too late for him to like uh, Francis said to salvage it now man and that's why I think those players because they be the ones with a, with a little bit of something about them a little bit of you know they always say I remember when I did it I remember I got suspended from two of my clubs because I weren't happy with a manager and I was in the changing rooms and I was influential and the manager mm. pulled me and said you're too infectious you're a bad apple you're going to cost me my job and I got suspended and then everyone else was in the club saying, what, why are we playing this type of way? Why can't, we, why can't we zip it in? Why can't we break lines? Why are we kicking it long? And that started because me and a couple of other players, we were the senior players. We kind of started planting the seed. And that's what players do. That's what, play, that's what anyone does at any workplace. That's what, that's what people do, like you say. Um, like Tyrone's saying, it's, it's a human, the way that we respond to nonsense that we don't like. And if someone's trying to tell us to do something and we don't like it, that's that's how you respond. Do you know what I mean? We must move on, but quickly. <laughs> City were good, weren't they? <laughs> training day, training day for them. Don't worry it about must, have been, must have been bigger uh, test to come. Yeah. True, true. For probably next week, if, if, even if it's against Burnley, probably be a bigger test. Um, Liverpool won, Chelsea won. Goals from Kai Havertz and a goal from Mohamed Salah. From the penalty spot, Reese James with the red card. Now, TJ, you were going to mention about mentality. I know we're bringing it back to Arsenal again, but you you did bring, <laughs> you did bring up the mentality. Uh, so, what what is it you were going to going to say? Well, I mean, we're going to get to the red card, of course. But um, of course, we got a red card right before halftime. Liverpool score, and I always say when you can, you should never concede right before half. That drains, that absolutely mm. drains the life out of a player on a team who is winning or they're in the game, and then they concede right before halftime. On top of that, we get, the, we get an unfair red card, in my opinion. Now, the difference that I see between Chelsea and Arsenal is obviously Thomas Tuchel is the main difference. He's a coach that all of our players believe in. And as you could see in that second half, they believe in him. They believe in themselves, and Tuchel believes in those players. And he went into that half calm and told them, like, I don't know, obviously, what he's told, what he's told them, but... You can tell that he had a serious game plan for the second half. He did not want them to concede. And we didn't concede in the second half. We kept the, we held the game. I was worried, personally, despite knowing how good we can be. When you're 10-man against Liverpool at Anfield, you're going to struggle. But 
we have players like uh, like Fran was saying, we have players that want to defend. They're passionate about defending, about playing the game. Thiago Silva, one of the best defenders of our generation right now. Antonio Rudiger loves a good scrap, played ex- excellent in the second half. Andreas Christensen really, really, really growing into that role. And he's he's becoming aggressive in a good way. As Pilicueta, I don't need to mention him. That guy is a pure defender. It's as pure as it gets. Um, and so much more. And those players fought tooth and nail to keep that to keep us in the game and get us a result in the second half. And ultimately, it just like like we were saying, Tuchel, players, belief in everybody, and that's that's all you need. That's all you need to get a result in a football game. It was a good result for for, for Chelsea. I I agree. I think it, the record was harsh. I kind I kind there's a bit of me that didn't think it was a penalty either. I don't know if anybody uh, agrees with with that statement. Um, but I think that if that <laughs> if that happens, <laughs> no, 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 no. I feel like I feel like if that happens anywhere else in the box, that 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 goes the defender's way. No. Well, that's that's exactly the thing. In the Champions League final, that same thing actually happened with Reese James in the box, but not on the line, and they didn't call it. Mm. Um, in the FA Cup final, when we played Leicester, in the build-up to their goal, Iosi Perez, same thing. Uh, he got a ball kicked at his knee, and then it hit his hand. And then the uh, the refs uh, let the goal happen. But that's the thing. That's Anthony Taylor, Anthony Taylor for you. I definitely feel he's got an agenda against us. That's that's a story for a bit later if we're getting on to Anthony Taylor himself. But the handball just makes everything controversial, of course. And as Thomas Tuchel said, it it kind of takes the life out of a game. But if I have to be quite honest, I'll be like an unbiased an unbiased opinion here. I would the just the position of where Reese James was. It is a penalty. End of mm. the day, he he essentially stopped a goal with his hand. However, a red card should have never happened, in my opinion. The way, again, it went off his knee, onto his hand. Whether he moved his hand towards it or not, it still went, it, it was ball to hand first. I, that's why I think it's a penalty, but the red card to me was way too harsh, and it took it definitely sucked the life out of the game, in my opinion. I mean, talk about Anthony Taylor, because you, you guys do claim that uh, he does have an agenda against you. Um, the, the decision to go to the, the monitor... He was there. Mm-hmm. He must. It must have been one second that he it was, was there. He, yeah. he saw the still image. Yeah. Then and from that still image, he decided that it was a red card straight straight away. Mm-hmm. He didn't didn't hesitate. Didn't lay. Went straight to Reese James. Said you're off penalty. Yeah. What now, what was that? Now of course, like if you see that picture, of course it hit, it's his hand and he's standing goal line. Of course, any anybody with the right mind will think, oh yeah, that's a red card. But your job as a ref is to look at the entire sequence of play because mm. every free every frame of the video is going to is going to change your thinking. You cannot look at a still image. Any other ref, I guarantee you in the world, will have looked at the video a couple times at least. Not for the penalty, because I think at that point, they can tell it's a, it's a penalty. But had he watched the video, it's it's a yellow card or no card. Probably a yellow card. But it, but it would change the dynamic game, and we'd have a fair second half. But that's the thing. He, wa- he walked up, watched the freeze frame, couple seconds, and walked, walked away. Um, it's not fair in that sense. They have to do their job properly. Um, but of course, I'm, I'm not, I can't really complain much, any, much more anymore. It's done. It's done. Um, and we fought well in the second half. But that's just, that was the whole thing with the, with the monitor for me. I mean, Kai Havertz got got off to a to a good got you off to a good start. Twenty two minutes, uh, good corner from Reese James. 
Uh, he beat a few few good uh, Liverpool defenders. I must, I must say, Van Dijk looking a bit shaky there, uh, Adrian. I, I must say, um, but I I agree that 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 did kill the game off. Mohamed Salah got you back into it, but I mean Liverpool. It, it doesn't look promising going forward right now. I mean you. Every, last season, everybody thought that this was this, especially Liverpool fans. This was a one-off, but it looks like they're coming into this game. They came into the game tied again. Uh, Salah and Mane weren't exactly up to speed. Trent Alexander Arnold didn't have the greatest of games. He was cutting in, cutting in on the inside. But as you, great defending, great mentality from from, uh, from Chelsea. They completely narrowed the spaces in behind and it made it very hard for you guys to actually create any chances. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's concerning because. If this game happens at 18-19, you'd like to think Liverpool had enough about them to, to, to go on and win it. You know, it's 45 minutes at Anfield playing against 10 men. It's a no-brainer, right? But um, I think, <laughs> you know, Roberto Firmino, his form is falling off a cliff. Obviously, I know he come off um, before half-time, but, um, you know, he, he's not the player that he was. Sadio Mane... At first, I thought maybe it was just a bad year. Maybe he needed a break. He hasn't necessarily started the season off um, blisteringly either. So um, that's that, that, that's a bit of a concern. But um, I think I think this game, it just um, my perennial cry. We need something different from the bench. We need to add strength and depth because I can't be looking at my substitute bench and I'm begging, you know, Takimi Minamino or Genesh or um, Divock Origi to come in and change the game. It's it's simply not good enough. Is, is simply not good enough. Um, and big up to Chelsea because we like to talk about dark arts and we like to talk about, you know, using your wearable, using your know-how to go and win games, subsequently going and win league titles. Absolute masterclass from Thomas Tuchel. I think, I, I know I know, it sort of goes against football norms, but I think the goal happening bang on halftime, I think it done wonders for them because you saw, you know, Mendy was getting hot, Rudiger was getting hot. And then that 15-minute interval, it just allowed Tuchel to calm the game down. Right, boys, here's what we're going to do. Here's how we're going to rescue this point, potentially go and get all three. And, um, you know, e even towards the end of the game, it's sort of, you know, when we're desperate, um, you know, Rudiger's going on the floor, you know, cramp, you know, masterclass I almost swore but then I, I just I, I, I just had to I just had to applaud it I just had to applaud it you know so um I think you know Chelsea definitely should should um look they did they, they looks good I think from us um concerning because realistically Chelsea Chelsea were comfortable and I know I know Mendy made made a few saves but realistically those saves he should be making you know we weren't penetrative we weren't going in behind. We didn't worry them at, at all. So um, it is it's quite concerning. I can't lie. You know I'm what it is, bro? Oh, sorry. Yeah. No, go, no, go, go. Gonna, no. What I was just going to say is, you know, and the, the deal about the dark arts and playing so defensively in the second half is because Tuchel clearly respects Liverpool. You guys are an insanely good team. Of course, you guys have your problems with finishing. Um, but largely, that was down to us just playing so defensive in the second half. You have to. The thing is... You need to respect a team like Liverpool. If you go into second half at Anfield with 10 men and don't play as defensively as we did, you guys are going through us. You're going to score three, four goals and a half. It's just the way it is. And you guys, obviously, are looking tired, but you guys pressed insanely well. We couldn't really get the ball up to Lukaku that much. And that's the nature of it. So naturally, we have to defend with our hearts in order to stay in the game. And ultimately, that's why, again, I feel like the, the game and the flow of the game left us because with the 10 men, we defended so compact. We were not playing proper football. 
And because of that, you guys struggled to break us down and mm -hmm. you were very, you were limited to shots outside of the box. Whereas if it was, if it was 11 of 11, v 11, it would be more of the same from the first half. Both teams would attack. Both teams would have their phases, lots of good chances, possibly a couple more goals in there. And you have a great game on your hands. That's, and that's just how it is. Um, I remember people saying after the game how they, we were comparing us celebrating a draw to when Arsenal celebrated a draw against us a couple seasons ago when they drew at Stamford Bridge. The thing with that was we were playing amazing before they got a red card. Once they got a red card, they threw everybody in the box. We couldn't break them down. Same deal as uh, the game from the weekend. So, again, it, it a red card changes everything. I, I think even, even with the... Thomas Tuchel, I think he got it so spot on. I know they scored before halftime. You'll think yes, um, the impetus was with Liverpool. But to make the sub of bringing Thiago Silva on with that experience was mm -hmm. the ace in the book, man. Mm -hmm. Oh, that guy, he just, he, he throw back the years. It was so funny, <laughs> yeah, because their hair, his hair is the same as Jorginho. So when I was at the, when, when I was watching it, I was like, is this Jorginho? Is this Thiago Silva? I couldn't work out who it was. And I was like, Thiago Silva is just everywhere. Like he's so quick at anticipating where the ball was going to be because obviously Liverpool were trying to throw balls into the box. And I think what, it, what happens is in Liverpool is that Chelsea had a flat back five. And we all know with Liverpool, Firmino likes to drop into the pockets. He's not a striker that's going to run in behind. So Chelsea having a flat back five, they're like, well, Firmino's not going to run in behind. And then Salah and Mane are just trying to sort of create something out of nothing because Firmino isn't that striker that's going to get in behind. And I thought the flat back five worked perfectly. I thought the two cool change with Kovacic also coming on as well, because I think one thing with Kovacic, obviously he's a, he's a more natural centre midfielder, but he he's able to beat the press. Mm. So every time Chelsea got on a few pockets, mm -hmm. yeah, when like Thiago or someone's trying to press him when he come on, he's got that six yard burst of speed, which is like, whoa, he's opened the game up a bit, but obviously he didn't have 11 players on the pitch to capitalise. So I just thought, do you know what, that point for Chelsea it's massive, massive. I think they're title contenders for me. They're title favourites. I just think, um, I think Cahill mentioned it earlier, players that like to defend. I'm so sorry, but Rudiger, since Tuchel was coming into that back five, has been exemplary mm -hmm. since last season. You know, he loves defending. He gets the crowd going. He loves tackling. And when you've got someone like that alongside Thiago Silva, they're now filtering that into Christensen, making him love defending. You've got Aspilicueta there. Like, that is a tremendous back five, man. And I'll just be honest with you, with Chelsea, I know Lukaku has his flat spots, but with Mount and Havertz, even in the first half, um, TJ, I'll be honest with you, you had a couple of moments where the pass just wasn't the yeah. right one. Lukaku was there, he could have fed in Havertz. Mm -hmm. Mount then shot with his left foot, could have cut it back, Havertz there with an open goal. I just think Chelsea are forced to be reckoned with. And I, I want to get your thoughts on this, AD, because... Um, with Liverpool, I'm, as much as I'm a Man United fan, I'm glad that I'm worried I'm worried about them for you. But yeah. you look at Mo Salah, right? And you just touched on it, like having replacements off the bench. You had Harvey Elliott that started against Chelsea. Last week, I believe he came off the bench against Norwich. Yeah, yeah. Opening yeah. the season, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's it. So he came off the bench against Norwich and starts against Chelsea. Now, for me... I look at Salah as your 20-plus goal man every season. Aubameyang, when he's on form for Arsenal, you're 20-plus goal man. They're hard to replace. I don't care if people say fundamentally, technicality-wise, they're poor. They know where to be. Right moment, they get you 20 goals. That's what you want from them. You've got Mane now, who I believe, like you said, is he's not... He's not done, but I thought he would come back fresher from having that break. Absolutely. And Jota and Firmino sort of alternating that number nine role. But then you've got Salah, your 20-plus goal man. When Salah's not delivering, who gets your 20 goals? You haven't got one. Like, I don't care what people say about Mane's work rate. I don't believe that Mane's a consistent 20-goal man that's going to replace Salah if he's out the side. Now, for me, if you nullify Salah, 
I think Liverpool are in big trouble this season. And I'm so shocked that you have not gone for another attacker this summer. And I think that that could be your, your fruit and bearing, man, come the end of the season with the goals that Salah gets. Yeah, it boggles, boggles the brain. Like, when, when people ask me who's Liverpool's most important attacker, I say Mo Salah. And, 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 and when they sort of bring up things like he can't dribble, X, Y, Z, it's by the by. The guy puts Guaranteed. numbers. It's guaranteed 20 goals. That's even a though. He can dribble. He just doesn't dribble mm. like a hazard or something. Yeah, He's yeah, like yeah. Sterling. They're just unorthodox, isn't it? They're very yeah, janky. Yeah, yeah. yeah mm. very, very janky. Mm. Yeah. But, but yeah, um, well, yeah, I want to hear your thoughts on yeah this Salah, this Salah problem, your 20 goals. Because other than him, where, where do you stand? And, and I think you raise a good point because I think for us as well, we're getting to a point now wherein we can't just be relying on our fullbacks to be our main creators anymore. We're going to need more... I've, it's my perennial cry. We're going to need more from the midfield, I think. We're going to need more players in that team taking responsibility and saying, you know what? I'm, my name's Jordan Henderson. I'm going to chip in with four. My name's Naby Keita. I'm going to chip in with five. My name's Javier Le debut season, but if I can get two or three. Because ultimately, as you rightly said, when your main goal threat comes from one guy, when you take that out of your team, it's curtains. Uh, and, the, and the alarm bell should be ringing, I think. Because I, I did, again, to your point, you know, Sadio Mane, it seems to, to have carried over into this season, which is alarming. Firmino, even in his prime, he wasn't putting up numbers. So the next the next best guy is Jota. And so if he can... So now the pressure's on him, uh, a squad player. Bro, can you get us 14 to 17 in the league? Realistically. So out of nowhere. So, so we're going to need to bring someone else through the door to supplement that. Do you know what? you? And even you just touched on your midfield. Chelsea had 10 men. You had Naby Keita... Tiago and Minamino on the bench, which you mentioned. If you're not going to use them against Chelsea when they've got 10 men, when are you going to use them? Absolutely. And, and, and again, think what he thinks about his midfield. Absolutely. And I, th I think it's a damning indictment because normally when managers do that in the transfer window, it's almost a message to the board asking to say, well, I don't believe in these guys. I don't trust these guys. Go and get me a flipping number nine for goodness sake. So we'll see. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay, fair. I mean, let's talk about your board because you did, you did allude and you did uh, mention about uh, options off the bench. But in terms of transfers in, everybody in 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 England have have strengthened. I mean, Arsenal spent 129 bloody million pounds. Well or not, that that that's that's a different uh, conversation. <laughs> exactly. But your board have completely just allowed you to die by the wayside. There's not really any signings. I mean, uh, of of course, uh, Kunate came in before the transfer window really opened. It was a good deal but he's injured right now. Not really that many options off the bench, not really any improvement in the in the, in the, in the, in the front, uh, in the first starting 11. I mean, are you hoping for Saul to, to come? Because I, I, don't, I don't see where your signings are coming from. You know, a, a Saul, uh, a Basuma even, or, because for, for me, I, I, I suppose I'd want to get you guys' opinion. For me, I know he's got his flaws, I know he's got his limitations, but I genuinely think having someone like Adam Traore to bring off the bench in a game like that, it creates more space, it it allows us to have a bit more about us. All of a sudden, Rudiger's going to have to come and shift across a bit. There's a bit more space for, for the person in the middle. So for me, I think if we could get like another, yeah, either like a Sour Basuma CM and then another attacker, in the mode of Adama, just because he gives us a bit something a bit different, yeah, I, I, I think that could work still. Um, what are your thoughts on the board? Sorry, what are your thoughts on the board? Um, they have been a bit la uh, lacking when it in terms of transfers this season. Okay, well, can I just chip in with that actually? Because just Go before on. we started the show, um, Michael Edwards, AD, I don't know if you've seen. 
Yaflet, yeah. yeah. Bad Next news. season, apparently he's going to be gone and he's your main guy when it comes to recruitment. But he literally just broke about 10, 15 minutes before the show. Yeah. I think he's your chief ex- exec. Is that right? Or the... I, I, I just call him the money man because it yeah, seems... He's he, the main guy. Yeah, so yeah, 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 yeah. Just, uh, yeah, just bring that up as well. Um, I'll, I'll be honest. That we could look back on that in the year 2025 as the beginning of the end. Because let's just say hypothetically, you know, Michael Edwards, you know, he's a big part in... So this whole Liverpool, the, the Liverpool model is we spend what we bring in. So he's able to go and get £20 million for your likes of your Solanke's. Even, even though Danny Ings has turned out to be a good player, but he was on the fringes for us. Um, so if he comes out, and then let's just say hypothetically, Klopp comes out a year or two after, what is this Liverpool team looking like? Because I look at the situation over at Arsenal, and the main difference for me is, well, you've got a, you've got a top-class coach, and then, and then your recruitment's bang on. So if you remove the recruitment and you remove the coach, holy smokes, <laughs> you know, it, it, could, <laughs> it, could, it, it could be all guns blazing. Mm. Um, what I was going to just respond to you, Adama Traore thing. Adama Traore, before the part where you need to apply end product, has all the ability to be one of the best wingers in world football. Yeah, He beats players with ease. He's a hell of a specimen physically. So he's got strength. He's got speed. He's got agility. He's got dribbling, like he's got literally what the, you want from a wide man. Everything in abundance, but then when it comes to that ending, it's like, it, the best way to probably um, describe him is like how Game of Thrones was so good and you came to the ending and you're like, ah, <laughs> yeah. This was a bad Listen, idea. If he had end product though, if he had end product, it would be, be, be 200 million. Precisely. Yeah. You know, exactly. the kid's ridiculous. But like you say, like AD saying, He's a player you want you want in your pack. You want in your pack of cards because if there's ever a problem, right? I need the fullback. Just just make the fullback's life hell. Run him, yeah. run him, run him. Listen, I don't care who you are. You don't want to face him. Yesterday like he was a saying, nightmare. No, you know, I'm not facing that. Oh my no goodness, way. it's ridiculous. But you know, best thing to do is listen. He's <laughs> gonna run past me. Let him shoot. That's what I would say. The funny thing is, Spurs fans, Kodro, you see me, I'm glad you brought up the Adamar thing, because obviously in our group chat, I'm always defending Adamar. I think he's yeah, a good yeah, player. Yeah, exactly. he's good. And these Spurs fans do not, in our group, they, they do not want him. They hate him. They think he's awful. But I'm like, him on the counter-attack, or him just in general, oh. he is a nightmare. He 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 creates chaos for the other side yeah. by just running. So then he opens up space for others. That's, that's yeah. literally what he's there to do. If his end product ain't great, allow him just to do his thing and he will open up space for others, which is what he done yesterday, which will get to you later on against United because, oh man, the guy causes car crashes everywhere. Everywhere. Yeah. He's, he's, he's just effective. People look, yeah. oh, well, yeah, it's effective. Mm-hmm. I'm like, he's effective. You know, mm. He's effective on the game. So forget, forget that he might not be able to cross the road or finish in dinner. Look what else he does. He's mm. effective on the game, so I, I can't but, believe Spurs are even thinking that they don't want him. I think that's, that's why it baffles me because like, in the football, with people like people like Adama Traore, who will also beat players, but then his shot will end up near the pick's head that was thrown at Figo. Like, you know, he, he's not <laughs> <laughs> these kind of players. I, so I understand the frustration, but with Adama Traore, you've literally got everything physically and almost technically in a player that you'd want. If you find if you play for Spurs. And you're asking Kane to literally stay in the middle, which you you hope you do with Adama Traore. Two crosses out of ten will probably work out, but that's two crosses enough to get him a goal because Kane needs one chance and it's done, you know. So for Liverpool as well, 
even though I do agree that you should try and look at someone like him, that means you need to actually another, another striker. Because from yeah, there, an, an, a nine, yeah, right there for mm. that opportunity. So if I have a striker to that, then I'd have a try for me, it's the perfect signing. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Go on. We, we, we're talking about Tottenham, uh, potential signing for Tottenham. We might as well go to Tottenham. Uh, they beat Watford 1-0. Three points again. Nine points in total. Top of the league. Three goals. Uh, the goal from Hyung Min Son. I think he's got his second of, of the season this year. Um, a lot of them last season, uh, well, at the very end of the season, when they were t- uh, uh, trying to think of managers that wanted to come, they, they didn't want... Nuno Spiritus Santo from three games. It, I mean, it is three games, so we must put the asterisks on there. Don't get me wrong, but from three games, they look very hard to beat. That's a game against City was a very good win uh, for for Tottenham. Song obviously got the goal there, but I mean, going forward, I don't think they'll they'll win the league. No, no let's not get that in, anything twisted. But as a top four uh, run, uh, is it is it uh, hard is it to, to hard to think? Think about is it possible? Uh, no, it's not hard to think that they've got players in that squad that can get them into top four. That's not a hard thing to worry about. But again, look, last season they had quite a good start as well. Defensively, it looks quite solid. Eric Dyer was having the time of his life, and then when it came to December, Eric Dyer went back to becoming Eric Dyer. Like I told you <laughs> last week, bro, Yajirobi had one moment in Dragon Ball Z, chopped off Vegeta's tail. <laughs> that was his moment, his one moment of glory. He was done in the discussion. Everyone has their moments, but I think what's important is with the, the signing of Romero, even in these Premier League games, he's starting Diane Sanchez and they're performing well. Tanganga on the right side is looking wonderful. Uh, Regulon's looking decent, and Skip and Hoiberg have like a good partnership in the middle. Skip is still prone to the, uh, the obvious mistake here and there, but he played in Championship last year. Premier League's a different level. He's going to take time to adapt to that level, you know? So, <laughs> so. Uh, so obviously, um, and I think it's just very important that they take they take their time with the squad. They've they've still got a lot of improvements to make. I feel like they've still got a couple of players that they still rely upon that are not good enough or don't have the right mentality. One of them is not playing right now, and I think that's a correct decision in um, Tangui and Dumbele. Um, Deliali still still looking a bit. I don't know. I'm not sure about him anymore. I think his his time's running out. So yeah, um, um, I see the comments. Leave my door alone. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> so no. I'm um, all in. No, look. It's like you said. It's an asterisk. It's a good start, but they've been here before last year. It's all about maintaining that form and seeing where they can go. They won't win the title in my opinion either, but they can get top four. I don't see why it's impossible not to. They can get top four. West Ham were close to top four last year, and I'd say they've got a better. Wait, no. Did they have a better squad than West Ham? Yeah, mm. yeah, they got a best squad in West Ham, so they should be able to challenge. I mean, Harry Kane's pretty much said it. He, he's he's staying for the season. We don't know for how long after the season goes, but he's he's there now. He's f- fully focused, um, back in the squad. So that's that's a good sign, good sign for them. But there's also these links to Adama Traore, Ease Pesuma. Um, there was somebody else today. I can't I can't think of his name now. He's still right back from Barcelona. I think they're going to get that's that's right. Um, yeah, Royale. 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 Yeah. Yeah. So these they're, they're going for the right positions, it seems. So, I mean, Tyrone, what 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 do you see for for uh, Tottenham's future? Uh, do you know what? I think at best, 
a top four a top four run, and I think that's kind of because the pressure is not with them. If you look at the signings Manchester United have made, of course we're we're potentially in the title race. Uh, Manchester City obviously should be there, Chelsea should be there, and Liverpool people saying with Canate and their rested summer they should be there. So I feel for like Tottenham is probably the perfect blend of no pressure combined with a new manager syndrome. Um, so I think they just got to go in there and try and win as many games as possible. I think you know the win against Man City was a perfect start for them. However, even though they beat Watford 1-0, we still, we still saw them sort of deficiencies they have. Like, they struggle to kill off them sort of teams. And I think over the season, we might see a few of them cracks starting to show. What interests me the most, actually, with Spurs, is obviously Christian Romero was signed from Atalanta. Obviously going to be a good player, of course. He hasn't started yet in the Premier League. He's played a couple of conference games. I reckon he does start after the international break. But it's who will partner him. And I think it could be Eric Dyer. Um, I don't think Sanchez and Romero will go together too well. But I think, you know, Romero, as he likes to press so much and Dyer likes to be sort of calm and collected. I'm interested just to see how the pairing gets on at centre-back before I can sort of judge Spurs. I don't think they've been tested too much because we saw City's team against them. They've played, um, who did they play last year? They played Wolves, which obviously I, I think they were quite lucky to get that result. And they beat Watford. But I'm just going to reserve my judgment on Spurs for now because obviously Kane's staying. They've got their nine points. But it's Spurs. We saw with them last year. They were top with Mourinho in November, December, and the wheels kind of come off. I still think they're quite lightweight in midfield. Undembele, for me, is their best central midfield in terms of natural ability. Whether he comes back into the side, I don't know. But with Skip in there, Holberg and Deli Ali, I think he's finished for me at Spurs. I just think they're lacking a bit of that punch, um, especially in the big games. And I think it'll be interesting just to see where they're at in November. So I'm a reserve judgment. Nuno's doing what he's doing. And I think they're just going to scrape by and win games as they come. But yeah, not 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 in fear, should I say. Not in fear, fair enough. Yeah. Wolverhampton Wanderers, nil Manchester United won. It must be nice to proudly wear your shirt and, and display <laughs> two Manchester United shirts in the background. Look at oh, this. the Marshall pillow is going to stay there. I've not, I've, I've, I've not worn this once. I can't wear it. It's an embarrassment. Oh, don't mean? worry, man. At least, I'll, at least I'll keep it and listen to me too, because that's the one I went there. I was just sitting in the chair in the living room by itself. Oh, <laughs> I can't like it, though. Nice top. <laughs> it is nice, but I, can't, I don't want to wear it. The team's dead. Yeah. But uh, Manchester United yeah, won um, goal okay, from Mason so, Greenwood. Oh, where do I start with this? I'll cut my hair off, and it's, it's going, it's going by the day with Manchester United. But a tale of two halves. I even put notes down here. Like, first of all, the selection. Um, Van der Beek, a lot of a lot of people wanted him in the starting lineup. Didn't start. We went with a Fred and Pogba pivot. For me, Pogba five assists in two games. I don't need to speak on Paul Pogba. Everyone knows he can play football. The guy, the guy is good at football. But he's playing so well on the left. I don't know why we're accommodating Dan James, who's now left the club, twenty eight million, twenty five million to put Pogba back into a pivot. For me, straight away, my head was scratching. Like, unless he was doing it as a tactical ploy to put James out there into the shop window, of course, to sell him, we got the result. We got away with it. However, fundamentally, you don't need to move Pogba back into a pivot. First half, let's just be honest, we absolutely got away with it. We should have been 2-0 down by half time. I'm not here to sort of bullshit a story. Do you know what I mean? At the end of the day, Wolves on the counter-attack were frightening. Wambasaka saved a goal-scoring opportunity from Trincao. I thought the one bright spark, and I'm not trying to sing it because we've signed him this summer, but Rafael Varane. And not because of him in terms of his leadership. I thought what I loved in his defending yesterday was the amount of times they broke on us walls. It was his ability to stay sort of five yards away from the attacker and force the attacker into making the decision he didn't want to make. 
sort of defenders like Maguire, for example, they commit so early. They either give away a foul, like a rugby tackle kind of foul, or they just can't defend 1v1. But Varane's ability to sort of hold them up for a few seconds, make trial, we have to go out wide. I thought it was an exemplary sort of um, de- defending from him, especially coming into the Premier League and facing someone like Adama Traore. Next week, he's got to play St. Maximum, two players that just get the ball and just run at you. So I thought Varane was um, yeah, very, very good bright spark in, in, in that first half. Other than that, it was a car crash. I'd probably put it up there with top five worst performances from Manchester United since Oli took charge in terms of first half. I thought it was absolutely horrific. Um, Sancho, um, as much as I like to play, and I think he's he's not the type of winger that's going to take on three or four man. He's a very intricate winger, wants to play sort of one, two combinations. He couldn't get into the game. I thought it was just a very tough start for him. Dan James, obviously, he's gone. Let's not talk about him. And Greenwood, as much as he's started well, I just... Playing a back five, it demands more from your game in terms of hold up play, link up, your ability to sort of run the run run the channels, both of them. And I don't. By the way, I love Greenwood. He's a, he's a very very good talent. But I think when you're playing a back five, you need a bit more than what he's going to give us at 19 years of age. He's not 27 yet. Um, goes into the second half. And as much as Oli, I get onto him for his in-game management. You could say in-game in-game management slash lucky, but. I thought the changes he made were the right calls. Sometimes he delays making a sub. He brought Cavani on, and it's so funny because Cavani didn't really have an impact on the ball. However, I think his ability to sort of just navigate defenders' minds because he peels off onto the back, onto the shoulder of defenders. He just runs sort of in between the lines, and it just gave Wolves a bit more to fix something to think about. And then he brings on Martial as well. And I think that game needed experience. And he actually called a Marshall and Cavani, who are more of our experienced players. And I feel from the 70th minute onwards, Wolves didn't attack as much as they did for the first 70 minutes. Of course, yes, they might have run out a bit of steam. They had an abundance amount of chances. They should have been tuning up. However, the bottom line is they weren't. And I feel like Marshall and Cavani, because their ability to make the ball stick, it just gave us a bit of a release. And we was able to, you know, bring the players up a bit further up the pitch. And Varane enabled us to do that, obviously, with his pace. So I thought, you know, hey, Benjamin, he knows I love Martial. Don't worry, I'm not, I'm not going there, Benjamin. But let's be honest, the subs did work. They gave us ball retention. They gave us, you know, a bit of that experience and just say, right, let's get higher up the pitch. And we got the goal, which is a bit fortunate, which we'll get to, of course, with the, with the foul or not a foul. But I just felt them little subs just tweaked it. And Oli got it right with the subs, but not with... His obviously formation at first in the starting eleven. Kojo, can I just ask, did you get the image up for me that I sent you earlier? Brilliant for you right here. Yeah, here because three, two, one. Yeah. This is this is my problem. Like as much as we got the mm. win, as much as we got the result, we're nil nil hmm. away at Wolves in the 60th minute. Now look at that. I've looked at our average formation when we've got the ball, and it's a four-two-four. There you can see it. A four-two-four. Pobber and Fred there with the back four. And you've got Bruno, Cavani, Martial and Greenwood all there. Now, I'm sorry, who's coaching that side? Who is coach? You've got three walls, man, in between Pobber and Fred before we get to our forwards. I'm sorry, man, but if you're Bruno, use your brain, fill into the pockets, try and give us an option. We actually ended up getting counter-attacked from this because Pobber tried spraying out wide to the left-back, Luke Shaw. And it was just, the, the pass didn't come off. Now, for me, as much as we got the result right, tactically... I've got to give Wolves credit because they've got the second most amount of shots in the league this year. They're so unlucky to be on the points they are because I think Bruno Large is, is done, you know, great with them so far. I think what he's going to do with Wolves is going to make them into a very good side. But I'm sorry, if you can't, if you're doing this with your tactics, there's, there's big trouble for us, man. And as much as you've got individual brilliance in this and that's getting us out of games, 
your professional football players, it's either being coached or if you're Bruno or, you know, Martial or even Cavani, someone just come into the pockets and give us a bit more. So I think it was a game where there's so much things going wrong. However, we got it right with a couple subs and, and Greenwood's goal. But I'm worried, man, especially when we've got so much talent on the pitch. Ronaldo doesn't change that picture. That's all I want to say. Ronaldo doesn't change that image. And that's a, it's a big problem for Man United right now. Sorry to rant on, but you gave me the platform. I'm glad I've vented it now. Man. <laughs> no, vent, vent away, man. That's, that's, that's what we like. Yeah, that's all good. Thank you, man. So, yeah, I don't know where anyone wants to go from there. But yeah, yeah. I, I think it was just first half of the round was excellent. The subs kind of tweaked it, but these problems still remain at the club. I mean, sign of champions, no? Uh, getting a, a result <laughs> that that, uh, that you usually would lose, right, Kojo? That, 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 that was the saying once upon a time. Um... It still stands. Uh, not, for, not for my club, sir. But um, <laughs> no, look, I, I think you know. At the end of the day, it is a positive result, regardless of how the goal came about. It was quite controversial, foul or no foul. Um, but it was a stat. It was a quality that we used to love about United. That you know, United could have some shocking games on the side of its folks, and then they come away with a victory. Obviously, so Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, Louis Van Gaal, um, Jose Mourinho, and. The other Scottish fella are not Silas Ferguson, but um, regardless, <laughs> it's a good win. It's a good win. I can't really complain too tough. Um, it's a good win because we came with three points. Um, Wolves had chances that they didn't put them away. They got unlucky when uh, Wan Bissaka pretty much saved Fred's United career. But um, <laughs> <laughs> other than that, other than that, no, look, United will have these games. I think that's one thing that people need to realize. And I think it's a good thing to say that United kept, came out of this three points. Because a season or two ago, United will play this game and lose 3-1, 2-0, I don't know. Essentially a loss, doesn't matter of the scoreline. And to come away with three points in this game is very good. But at the same time, you come away, you come against teams with um, more quality, it could be a problem. I mean, Francis, the uh, Tyrone, obviously, uh, did give, 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 give Greenwood some praise. But uh, I do agree, if you're relying on him to to get you the goals and it's going to be a massive problem. But as an individual performance and that goal particular, what, what impressed you the most about Greenwood? I, I like him. I think he's one of the best young talents we've got in this country. Um, he's got a, something different that not many young kids have got. He plays with a lot of maturity for his age. Like Ty says, he does need to know the without the ball a lot more. But that comes with experience. You know, like you say, 25, 26, you've probably mm. just clicked it. Your maturity builds within the game. But as a talent, I, I love him. I love watching him, he, the way he glides, he, the way he causes problems. He can cut both sides as well. That's what I like about him because a lot of lefties, you know, they use the right to stand on. He's got the ability to shift it onto his right as well. So as a talent, as a kid, I, I like him. I like him off the pitch as well. Um, I think he's a top, top, top kid. And I'm surprised he's not in the England squad. I've got no idea why Bamford is involved. We've got three kind of centre forwards that, you know, all very similar without a Greenwood. So, but, but that, that's a different, that's a different podcast with England. Boy, that, that's, that's some negative stuff. But for, for, for Greenwood, yeah. Um, top, top, top talent for me. Top talent. Now, TJ and Adrian, I'm going to bring you guys in as as the the title contenders of of the podcast. I can't talk to you, Francis, about title contenders. Now, so I, I just can't. I just can't, I can't well, listen, do I could be doing the radio for them next year in the championship if they get relegated, bro. It might be. It might be. Um, now, I said this last week. Manchester United, kind of, especially their fans, they, they they've been getting away with uh, 
trying to lower the expectations for, for their run in the season. But they have spent big. I said this last week, they spent big with Rafa Varane, Jaden Sancho, £75 million. Pounds. Um, for for Sancho, 35 with um, uh, Varane. Now they've added CR7 to the mix and they're still saying that under this manager that we need to temper our expectation. We're not quite there for the Premier League. We're not quite there for the Champions League. But why not? Why Why, why are people, why are Manchester United fans and why are other teams fans allowing them to get away with, with away with this? Who are we asking? Who are we asking? TJ, go for you first, man. Go on, TJ. Um, sorry, sorry, sum up the question again. I'm just like... Like, so, uh, like, are you talking about Ole, Ole mostly, kind of? Ole, but they, they've added CR7, Rafa mm. Varane, and um, Jaden Sancho. Why aren't they right. potential title challenges? Um, in my personal opinion, before I get onto that, I think they are in the they are in the talk, but I can see why. Um, again, it's it's down to coaching. You can have like, for me, when it comes to football, you can have every top 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 individual player in the world, but if you don't have a good coach to mold them all together to get the best out of them, you can't. You can't win games. You can't win games consistently, at least. Um, it's a team sport at the end of the day. So in terms of Ole, like the coach he is, how does he manage the games? How does he get the best out of his players? He's not. He's nowhere near the level of... He doesn't uh, even do any of the coaching, TJ. He's admitted it. Yeah, no. Mm. Yeah, no. He's not. He's nowhere near the level of a Pep, uh, Klopp, or Tuchel kind of thing. So that's what separates them. However, Man United's team on paper, now that they got Ronaldo as well, is a very good team. Um it's honestly going to be up to can they sustain good results? Can they play well as a team despite not having the greatest tactician or manager uh, in the league for a team of their caliber? That's pretty much it in terms of that. Adrian, I would say CR7 kind of circumnavigates the kind of tactician. I wouldn't, I wouldn't believe everybody here would say Zidane was a master tactician. I don't think anybody here would say... Uh, who, who was the manager at in it was Pirlo last last season at Juventus? He's a, he's a master touch, he's very new, but CR7 manages to get the goals and he gets the wins. So, isn't that enough for Manchester United just to, to, to get them over the edge, Adrian? Um, I, I think when you look at the landscape and you see, you know, the, the big boys in the playgrounds, you know, you see Guardiola's there, Klopp is there, um, Tuchel's there also. Does Ole Gunnar Solskjaer is he big enough? Is he good enough to win the league? With all of those three firing, um, firing in four cylinders, that's one question. And I think the se- the second second part is 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 a name and it's threads. Um, <laughs> a lot a lot a, a lot of people, you know, they seem. But we we, we saw we, we saw the mistake he made he made when um when they almost scored the goal. Um, for me, it's just he he's very he can't can't progress to play. He's he, even he's reading other game at times. It's not great. But um, let's let, let's call a spade a spade. Manchester United in that team have enough quality to be challenging for the league. So for any Man United fan to to say they shouldn't be aspiring to win the league, in my opinion, is absolute hogwash. Because prior prior to the Ronaldo signing, you had enough, and then you've got this serial and and, and the thing and the thing about Ronaldo is not only is he a serial winner. But that mentality is going to seep through that squad. So we, so we just spent time talking about Mason Greenwood. The two years or whatever Mason Greenwood has to learn, not, 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 not only Ronaldo's game, but just that mentality, just that hunger. How do you keep progressing and getting to the next level? You know, yeah, for, for, for me, for me, Man United should be thinking, feeling very, very confident. As I, I should all four of the teams, if I've been perfectly honest, I think all four teams in the title race this year, they, for, for their own merits, they um, should equally feel confident. You know what it is for me? Uh, I was just going to quickly mention about the top four. It's been three games. 
It's been a full month of the Premier League so far. Obviously, it's it's very early days, but I think this has the potential to be the first proper title race in years. I mean, we've seen the past couple of years, we've had one or two teams competing for the title. Usually it's Man City, Liverpool, and they run away with it pretty early on. And then we end up with a top four race to the last day. But I think the quality of, of uh, City, Liverpool, Chelsea, United is enough to make, to kind of sort out the top four pretty early on. Of course, anything can happen. But what also makes it interesting is each of the four teams have some weaknesses of them. City, I mean, they have one more day to secure a striker. I don't think they will. If they don't get a striker, they're going to struggle in certain games. They're going to do great, obviously, like they did against Arsenal. But there's going to be games where they will need that focal point. Liverpool, obviously, we were just talking about earlier, they struggle to create chances. Chelsea, we struggle to finish our chances. And United, they've got a slightly weaker midfield, in my opinion, and a, a much inferior coach. But all four of these teams have the quality to win the league. So it's going to be interesting to see that all of them have slight weaknesses here and there. Uh, it's going to make for a really an open title race. Okay, I think that well. is where we shall leave an open title race. Not Arsenal, though. Don't worry, Francis. We're not, we're not in that conversation. <laughs> it's uh, not that open. <laughs> hey, listen, it's just nice to not get into any arguments. I can just, te- uh, you know, I can just observe everyone else. <laughs> <laughs> That was an amazing show, go. man. That was a great show. That was a great it was show. was a good show. Thank you guys for joining us. Thank you guys for listening, watching, however you view our content. Uh, we'll get to you first, Francis. Where can they find you? Um, FFTV, YouTube channel, and then I only do Twitter, which is Green 6 That's me. Adrian, where can they find you? Um, so I've got my personal Twitter, at ADLFC. Also, I've also got um, I, I do a podcast of my own. We're actually recording at eight o'clock tonight um, at Top Four Podcast. So, so if you guys are free, um, hop on the YouTube of us. Should be a good one. Tyrone, where can they find you? Yeah, can I just say thank you ever so much for having me, man. Big up free midfield yourself and Kodja every single time. Um, Tyrone MC underscore underscore for my personal and then at Never a Foul, um, which obviously we have a lot of multiple podcasts on there. Big up TJ, obviously part of the Chelsea family on our channel as well. So thank you so much. And um, yeah, Francis and AD, great doing a podcast with you for the first time and many more to come. So appreciate it. Absolutely, bro. Top man. Big love. Big love. TJ, where can I find you? Yeah, once again, thank you guys so much for having me. Thank you for everybody for tuning in today. It's been a really, really fun show, in my opinion. Um, my personal is right in here at the Real Football TJ. Uh, that's my personal, of course. And as Tyrone said, I'm part of Never Never Foul, so that's the channel. And I do uh, I do shows for the Blue Wave specifically. I um, I'm going to be doing uh, previews every Friday around seven or eight PM UK time. I'll be doing previews for uh, for Chelsea games on that channel, so you guys can find me there. Excellent, excellent. And finally, Kojo. Where can they find us? Uh, of course, here yeah, for you. Free Midfield Podcast on YouTube, Free Midfield Twitter, Spotify, SoundCloud, Apple Podcast, Instagram, TikTok, Three Midfield. This has been another episode of the Free Midfield Podcast. Good night. Good night.